2: Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in,
1: and let's head to WGR's Fast Track.
2: All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go
1: out there and have a good day. All right, bud. Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 11.05 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, and welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always. Another fine show lined up for you on this sunny Sunday morning here in western New York, and hope you have a great one. As NASCAR in California today for the final leg of the West Coast road trip today's race out west, the... Auto Club 400 at the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. That is on tap for today. Also got NHRA in Gainesville, Florida for the Gator Nationals. Uh, we're coming off an exciting weekend last Sunday, of course, with the IndyCar opener at St. Petersburg and a great race at Phoenix, Two for NASCAR as Kevin Harvick winning his third cup race in a row. He'll look to get, go for a four race win streak, a rarity in NASCAR as, uh, he will roll off today from the number 10 starting position. Lots to talk about here this morning. We got a great show lineup for you. Coming up in nine minutes or so, we're actually going to talk to one of the major players in last Sunday's IndyCar opener. Driver for Schmidt Peterson Motorsports rookie Robert Wickens will join us at 11:15. Robert, of course, winning the pole last for last Sunday's race in his first IndyCar start, just the fourth driver in IndyCar history to do so, goes out in lead 69 out of 110 laps and was in contention to win it with two to go until a contact with Alexander Rossi knocked him out of that contention, and the race uh, wound up being handed over to Sebastian Bourdais, who. Uh, slid by Rossi and Wickens after their contact in Bourdais, drove on to win his second straight IndyCar se- uh, season opener. He has, uh, defended his title from last year's race at St. Petersburg. So uh, Robert will join us at 11.15. We'll talk to him about that. And uh, as he looks forward to going through the rest of the 2018 uh, Verizon IndyCar series schedule. Also coming up on uh, later in today's show, uh, Kevin Harvick is a big story in NASCAR. Uh, for his three race win streak, but he also created a lot of discussion this week based on his post race comments after the win at Phoenix last Sunday. And he got on a a little bit on a bit of a soapbox rant about short track racing and NASCAR's relationship to it. He and his car owner, Tony Stewart also chiming in about this and we're going to play those comments in full in the second segment of our program. And I've got a lot to say about that as someone of course, who works in the short track racing industry, uh, Very interesting, pointed comments from Kevin Harvick this week about uh, NASCAR and the K&N East and West Series and and short track racing in general. So we're going to play those comments from Kevin and Tony, and I'm going to talk about that in the second segment. Um, But can't wait to talk about that. That that dominated the the conversation for most of the week in the NASCAR sphere uh, until the teams got to Phoenix this weekend. Also, some other big NASCAR news this week. However, Jimmy Johnson and Lowe's will be parting ways after this season. Uh, Jimmy Johnson or Hendrick Motorsports announcing, I believe it was Thursday that, uh, Lowe's home improvement stores will not be back as the primary sponsor for the 48 car in 2019. And that is shocking. Well, maybe not shocking because they did sign a one year deal, but still, it's still a big momentous news as Lowe's has been the only primary sponsor on the 48 car since Jimmy started it in 2001. That's, 17, 18 years of Lowe's uh, being a primary sponsor and look at what Jimmy accomplished during those years. Seven NASCAR Cup titles Uh, and obviously the relationship has been uh, iconic. I mean the 48 Lowe's car ranks right up there with the most iconic uh, number driver sponsor combinations in the sports history. It ranks up there with STP 43 and Richard Petty. It ranks up there with uh, the three car and GM Goodrich and Dale Sr. It ranks up there with Dale Jr. and Budweiser in the 8 car, or Mountain Dew in the 88 car. It ranks up there with DuPont and Jeff Gordon in the 24 car. Lowe's in the 48 car are iconic for what uh, Jimmy Johnson accomplished driving that car. And uh, the only driver-sponsor combination to win seven titles because Richard Petty did not win all his, his, his first couple titles, but it was before he had STP on the car. And of course, Dale Sr., Won his first championship, not even with Richard Childers, but when he drove for Rod Osterlund in 1980, and then of course won a couple with Wrangler on the car, which is also pretty iconic with the Earnhardt name, and then won uh, the majority of his seven titles with the uh, the black GM Goodrich paint scheme. But Jimmy won all seven of his uh, championships uh, with Lowe's on the hood of his race car. So huge announcement and uh another big name sp- uh, a big name company leaving the sport of NASCAR and once again Hendrick Motorsports will be doing some scrambling uh to get a sponsorship package put together for the 48 team for next season because gone are the days really of brands like Lowe's sponsoring a race car for 36 races. It is a rarity that one brand sponsors a car for all 36 races in this day and age of NASCAR, the way the business model is for sponsorship. Now, of course, you get the piecemeal sponsorship deals where you've got maybe one brand for 16, 18 races. You got another brand for 10 races and maybe you got one or two other brands that sponsor a race or two to kind of fill out your season. And you, so you get the rotating paint schemes and everything. A lot of, you know, the majority of the the cars in the field now kind of do that. And Lowe's was still kind of the old school way where Jimmy had the 48. It would change up maybe from week to week. Maybe they'd have some different paint schemes, but it was still always Lowe's as the main primary sponsor. Um, so that was huge news this week and really uh earth shattering stuff. Um, for uh, fans of the forty-eight and Jimmy Johnson in his future, as uh, he's under contract for two more seasons with Hendrick Motorsports, how, you know what does this, how does this impact his uh, future in the sport? Um, I, I don't think it's one of those things where Jimmy might lose his ride because of this, but it certainly makes things a little bit more challenging for Hendrick Motorsports to now have to go find sponsorship for that team for next season. Luckily, you've got the the greatest active driver in the sport, and so that probably makes it a little bit easier to sell to brands that uh, they're going to be representing. Someone like Jimmy Johnson, although uh, someone that's close to retirement from driving and, and over 40 years of age, maybe he's not the face certain brands are looking forward to associate with. Maybe they want a younger driver, so obviously... Uh, Hendrick will be, uh, the folks at Hendrick Motorsports and Jimmy Johnson's people will be uh, working hard to find some new marketing partners for the uh, 2019 season. Other big uh, news surrounding today's NASCAR race, of course, in qualifying on Friday. uh, 13 cars failed to make it through inspection and did not even take time. Only 24 cars took time for qualifying for today's race. They all made the field, of course, because we only had 37 cars show up. But 13 cars, including Denny Hamlin, Clint Boyer, Eric Almirola, uh, Alex Bowman, William Byron, Daniel Suarez, Chase Elliott, and Jimmy Johnson, are among the cars that did not even take time on Friday. They will start at the rear of the field. But this has forced NASCAR to change their procedures. Uh Cars must start the race on the tires they qualified with. However, it's actually an advantage for the drivers that did not take time because they would start the race on fresh tires because they never ran a qualifying lap versus the 24 guys that did go out and qualify. So their tires have some laps on them, and the surface at Auto Club Speedway is worn out. It it chews up tires, so it actually puts the teams that failed inspection at an advantage for the start of the race. So NASCAR, for today's race, is allowing the 24 teams that did take time and did go through qualifying, they will be allowed to start the race on brand-new tires, uh, just like the other 13 teams that uh, failed inspection so it is uh then this is not the first time we've seen cars, not this many maybe, but cars misqualifying because they could not get through inspection but this uh this whole deal might come to a head uh in the coming weeks um with the nascar's inspection process, and the team's trying to skirt the rules when it comes to the bodies of course, new this year nascar's uh inspection system for uh, scanning the bodies that used to be the the old templates. And laser inspection. Now they've got this new system. They call it the OSS or the Hawkeye system where they put this, the car inside a big dark tent and they have all these fancy computer scanners and they can do this 3D image that shows where the car does not fit into the rules for certain parts of the body. So it's, uh, so it, it's. Catching teams even more from uh, that that are, are trying to skirt the rules when it comes to the body. So I think NASCAR uh, and its teams have kind of reached a point here where both sides are fed up, and we could see some further changes to the policy, uh, including uh, the a rule that uh, NASCAR implemented for Xfinity Series qualifying, where teams that failed qualifying. And to start at the rear of the field. Not only would they have to start rear rear at the field, but they would also have to go through a pass-through penalty on the opening lap of the race, which would put them further behind and maybe even a lap down at certain tracks, especially next week when we go to Martinsville. So that rule will likely be implemented for Cup Series qualifying next weekend as well, too. So that will hopefully further deter teams from uh, not. Getting their cars within the parameters of the rule book and get them prepared for qualifying, so that they don't fail inspection multiple times and miss qualifying. But that has been the big story of the weekend so far. Cars that did pass qualifying, though, and and the, the cars that did pass qualifying, it was Martin Truex winning the poll for today's race. He'll roll off first, the defending series champion, looking for his first win of the year. He'll be joined by Kyle Busch on the front row. Then you've got Kyle Larson, who always does well at this track in Fontana, alongside Eric Jones. So the Toyota Gibbs connected cars have three of the top four spots. Row three is Austin Dillon and Joey Logano, who won the Xfinity Series race yesterday. Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney in row four. Ryan Newman and Kevin Harvick, as I said before, rolling off 10th, looking for his fourth straight win. Brad Keselowski starts 11th, Chris Buescher in 12th. Then you had uh, Bain, Menard, McMurray, Stenhouse, Ty Dillon, DeBenedetto, Wallace, Galding, Gald- Reagan, McDowell, Jeffrey Earnhardt, and Reed Sorensen. Those were the 24 cars that did take time on uh, Friday and uh, were able to pass inspection. And then, again, it was Hamlin, Boyer, Almarola, Bowman, Byron, Suarez, Elliott, Almondinger, Johnson, Kane, Hill, Chastain, and Witt, the cars that failed. But everybody will start the race uh, on fresh tires today again, NASCAR allowing that after pretty much the teams that failed qualifying, they just they just kind of shrugged their shoulders, said, "Oh well, we'll just start the race on fresh tires." So obviously NASCAR knew that would have been an advantage, and that's why they had to go uh, change it up, and uh, then again further um, expanding the rules, as I said, with the the expansion of, of Xfinity Series uh, qualifying, with the uh, the the adding the additional penalty of having to make the pass through penalty under green. Uh, if they did fail qualifying, which would obviously put the teams uh, a lap down, if not, you know, close to being a lap down. But it's something that uh, NASCAR, NASCAR's got to work out the balance. I mean, um, I know when, uh, and I talk about this a lot, I'm very black and white when it comes to rules, but, you know, obviously in racing, the the gray areas of the rule book, uh, you know, are. are our teams try and work, work in those areas. And a lot of people think that if, you know, the old, the old adage, if, if you're not cheating, then you're not winning. Um, but you know, it's, you gotta get the car through tech. They, they, they gotta, you gotta be legal in the end. So, I mean, it's kind of pointless to try and, uh, have your car fail multiple times going through that pre-qualifying tech and, um, you know why risk that the the further penalties by uh not having your car be able to qualify for the race in, or at least go through qualifying I guess that's also part of it though too is with less than a full field of cars showing up these teams know that even if they do miss qualifying they're in the race because there are no cars being bumped from the field especially the if you're one of the 36 cars that owns a charter you're guaranteed to start so there's one less uh, deterrent to to try and get the car to pass uh, pre-qualifying tech on the first pass because you know you're kind of locked into the field anyway. So NASCAR has to come up with these new deterrents to uh, get them uh, within the parameters of the rulebook so they can uh, take qualifying and qualify for the race. Uh, 11.18 here on WGR Works. Anticipating hearing from Robert Wickens here shortly. Hopefully uh, he'll be... Uh, uh catching up with us soon. He did like our tweet on Twitter, so hopefully he knows he's got to call us. <laughs> uh phone lines are open for you. 803 0550 1 888 552 You can also uh send us a tweet or you can like our tweets too at Fast Track five We're on Facebook too, uh Facebook.com slash WGR fast track. But the uh the IndyCar opener last weekend at St. Petersburg, as we said, Sebastian Borde uh getting the win after the contact between Rossi and Wickens and what what an excellent race though um uh, lots lots of great action and how, how about the story of Robert Wickens when he won the uh pole last weekend a lot of people were like Robert Wickens who because uh, a rookie driver for Schmidt Peterson Motorsports so if you're not if you weren't aware of his kind of career path to the sport uh racing in the Uh, development ranks of of formula racing, and then uh, moving to uh, touring cars um, for BMW for a couple of years before making the jump to Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. You weren't aware maybe of Robert Wickens, so that I know Jenna Fryer had tweeted out, you know, uh, go Google Robert Wickens to find out more information about him. But, But then by the end of the race on Sunday, when he had had the contact with Rossi, uh, when he was headed back to the paddock and his car was being towed back to the paddock, fans were actually, you know, chanting his name and showing their support for the the job he did, and really impressed everybody uh, with the with their perform with his performance. Uh, not only winning the pole, but leading more laps than anyone—sixty-nine out of one hundred and ten laps. Uh, pretty impressive run for Wickens in his first IndyCar start, and as I said, just the fourth driver in IndyCar history to start on the pole in his very first career start. Uh, unfortunately, coming up short. But uh great win for Bourdais, as I said, uh, defending uh, his title in this race last year. Uh, Graham Rahal finishing second. Rossi did wind up third as he was able to uh, get around uh, the uh, Wickens car after Wick- after they made the contact. had unfortunately spun and backed into the wall, but Rossi was able to continue on, and uh, he finished third and did not receive any penalty from Indy Carr. James Hinchcliffe, uh, Robert Wickens teammates, finishing fourth. And then it was uh, Ryan Hunter Ray rounding out the top five, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, Ed Jones, Marco Andretti, Will Power rounding out the uh, top ten. Uh the race did get off to a bit of a slow start. They had a, a handful of cautions within the first Uh, Just the first couple laps of the race, a couple of cautions for for a handful of incidents. And actually, you know, we talked about all the rookie drivers. And unfortunately, uh, out of all the seven rookies finished 16th or worst. And almost all of them were caught up in an incident of some kind, except for two, Zach Veach and Zach DeMello. But a couple of drivers, including Matthias Leist for uh, A.J. Foyt and Jack Harvey, uh, were caught up in incidents very early on and didn't even get to make 10 laps in their first uh, IndyCar started the season, so the rookies kind of had a rough day outside of Wickens until his uh, late race run-in. Speaking of IndyCar, <laughs> some news on, uh, what was it? That was uh, Thursday, because uh, I remember being at the uh, the Sabres game seeing this on Twitter. But AJ Foyt, I don't know if you heard about this, but AJ Foyt was hospitalized for being attacked by a swarm of Africanized killer bees at his home in Texas. And uh, he's okay. He'll 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 survive. But the more extraordinary point of this story is that this isn't the first time this is this has happened to to AJ Foyt. This is actually the second time he has been attacked by a swarm of Africanized killer bees. And because of that first attack, he was he didn't feel the effects of the second attack right away, and it probably made it a lot worse because he. Uh, didn't feel feel it happening to him as quickly as maybe the first time it happened to him. So this attack was even worse, and uh, he was he was hospitalized, unfortunately, because of this. But he'll live. But he was uh, scheduled to, uh, I think, believe, be at the twelve hours of Sebring this weekend and be the grand marshal, and he couldn't make that. But just a crazy story. A, a guy like H. A. Floyd, uh, you know, one of the, the the one of the greatest American racers of all time. This. Uh, This just image of uh, pure toughness and grit and uh, a a guy that, you know, doesn't take any crap to this day, even just this uh, image of of American toughness. And here he is surviving, uh, being stung by a swarm of Africanized killer bees for the, the second time in his lifetime, which, again, made it worse. That was because uh, I I didn't remember hearing about the first time it happened. So when the the tweets were coming out that it was the, the second time he's had to go through this and survive, it was just like really twice now. So uh, just good to see that uh, AJ Floyd Super Tex is okay, but uh, he'll be recovering and not able to uh, be at the twelve hours of uh, Sebring this weekend, uh, where he was supposed to be the grand marshal for the uh, the big uh, sports car race, uh, down there. Again, 803-0551, 550 Unfortunately, we uh, did not hear from Robert Wickens, so hopefully uh, we'll take a break here and see if uh, we can get a hold of him during the break. And if not, we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, what Kevin Harvick had to say after the race in Phoenix last Sunday. Again, talking about NASCAR and the grassroots racing level, short track racing, and uh, we'll play all those comments, and then uh, I'll talk about them. If you already have heard the comments and you know what Kevin said, and you want to talk about it, uh, feel free to join us. eight zero three zero five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty We get back here
0: on fast track on WGR. Hi, this is Kevin Harvick, driver of the number four Jimmy Johns Ford. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio five fifty.
1: And the four-car will be looking to go four in a row here in the 2018 NASCAR Cup Series season. Kevin Harvick looking for his fourth win of the day at the Fontana, uh, the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. That race coming up at uh, three, green flag, just after 345 this afternoon. We won't have it, unfortunately, here on WGR today. We've got uh, NCAA college basketball action here, but uh, be sure to find that on your TV uh, on Fox this afternoon to watch as Kevin Harvick tries for his fourth straight win in the cup series and speaking of Kevin Harvick after his win last Sunday at Phoenix he went off on a little bit of a I'll call it a rant or a tirade he didn't he wasn't shouting or anything but just had a lot to say about NASCAR and its connection to grassroots local short track racing and he and Tony Stewart uh, talk about this uh, mostly about the K&N West series but just short track racing in general Uh, He makes uh, giving you a little context here. You'll hear from Kevin. Uh, He kind of refers to Tony, and then you'll hear Tony later on in this clip. Uh, He refers to Brian Sperber, who's the president of ISM Raceway, and they're uh, not holding a K&N West Series race at Phoenix uh, ISM Raceway anymore. He talks about that, Uh, and Kevin actually ran the K&N West Series season opener on Thursday night. Uh, at the Kern County Raceway in in Bakersfield, California. His hometown, of course, uh, finished uh, third or fourth. He was leading and uh, battling for the lead. There's a little bit of a contact and uh, finished third or fourth on Thursday night. So here is uh, Kevin Harvick and Tony Stewart uh, following last Sunday's win at Phoenix.
0: You know, I think that needs to be a part of our initiative. Not everybody, you know, a, a guy like Chase Elliott would love to go run late model races at any late model track in the country instead of going to to do an appearance that's that's what pushes his buttons um, a guy like jimmy johnson has no real interest in in running any extra races you know like a guy like jeff gordon didn't um, and but uh, you know if we could if we could find that niche for um, like i would love to to build the can in west series back to what it needs to be and and then enthusiasm and get to the right race tracks and um, you know help those kids because For me, it was an eye-opener last year when I went to Sonoma and saw the impact that that, um, running that race had on the competitors in the series. And, and, you know, the fans will sometimes say, well, you're cherry-picking. Well, I can tell you nobody would know who Will Rogers is if it wasn't for us running that race and and being a part of that and having him on the radio show and bringing him to the pit box the next day and these guys taking him in. And and, um, so if we can shed some light on those particular series and, and really build them uh, back to where they need to be. And um, I have so many thoughts on this that, you know, it's that's just for a different conversation. So, um, you know, building everything from the grassroots up. I, I love the grassroots part of our sport. This guy is, has been a part of, of grassroots racing from the sprint cars and midgets. And, um, you know, I've been mad at Sperber here for. Couple years now because he, you know, he won't have the K N cars come race here because it doesn't help his budget. But in the end, you know, without those grassroots fans and those grassroots people coming and uh, being able to to race here, uh, whether it fits your budget or not, ten years from now. You better hope you have your ass and people that'll sit in the in the stands up here and and wanting to watch these races that are at these short tracks because those are your those are your hardcore fans and those are your grassroots fans and you know one of the one of the best things that happened for racing it's not just about NASCAR but one of the best things that used to happen for racing was when we had the Copper Classic here we had midgets we had sprint cars it didn't matter how many people sat in the grandstands but as competitors those guys this was their Daytona. This on the West Coast, this was what we thought our Daytona five hundred was. This is where everybody wanted to race and you know, it's it's kicking those guys low on the K and N West series that, that they don't get to come and race at this particular racetrack because of the fact that, that um you know there's a little bit of a, a pissing contest between, you know, a budget and, and uh, you know, what is right and what is wrong from a sanctioning fee side on, on trucks and, and Xfinity. Um, so they cut the K and N guys out. Cutting the grassroots side of things out is not the right way to do things. Those guys are they just want to race and this is a crown jewel race for those guys. So, you know, it's just the the thought process for me is is broken. And, you know, when, when I look at our hardcore fans, they're all sitting at those short tracks and they're mad. They're mad because nobody you don't have a Winston who is supporting these short tracks like they used to. Winston used to infuse so much money into all these short tracks around the country. And that's what kept it going. And and that's what kept people showing up to these racetracks because there was point funds. But when we had the Copper Classic, you had TV out here. And everybody could get sponsors, and they'd show up to race, and they'd come from all over the country. And they'd show up out here, and and there'd be – I don't even know how many sprint cars and midgets, though. I mean, but there'd be 70, 80 um, Southwest Tour cars, and you'd have a truck race, and it would lead off the year. So I don't know. You know, there's just – I have a lot of things that I think about. I love the grassroots side of things, though.
2: Bob Bear was probably the best at that. I mean, you guys that follow this every week, I mean, you guys remember Bob Bear used to bring in series that I promise you he lost his butt on, and he he paid probably more guys tow money to come race at his racetrack uh, than he ever brought back in revenue, but he realized how important it was to the region and how important it was to the teams and drivers. And like Kevin mentioned, I mean the copper classic uh, i ran second to mike bliss here and that one race got me a huge opportunity to drive for some really big teams and you know n- now you don't have things like that but but we can afford to spend 170 million dollars to move the front stretch from there over to there for i still have no idea what the hell the reason for that 300 is grand doesn't seem like that. Big so deal. yeah I, I guess we probably can't afford to run any support races here that cost the track some money we'll go to dominic
0: I got it going with the racing experts in ESPN. Albuquerque for Rodney. Had someone told you a few weeks ago that your driver would win three races in a row? What would you have said? All right, that
1: is uh, Ke- Kevin Harvick and, and Tony Stewart uh, again uh, talking about short track racing. Uh, they uh, they uh, uh, allude to the, the Copper World Classic, which was a big event that Phoenix used to hold back in the day. As as Kevin said, midget cars, sprint cars, super modifieds. They ran uh, the the West Coast super modifieds. Uh, some of the East Isma guys would go out there late models. Uh, If you go on YouTube, you can find old old races. Um, Then he talks about the Canon West series, and again, that Phoenix, you know, won't bring them back because they don't make money or or whatnot. But they can spend all the money to, you know, move the grandstands there at uh, Phoenix. So a lot, a lot said there by those guys, and it started a lot of conversation this week uh, about NASCAR and uh, and and, and, you know and their relationship to the short track. Uh, ra- racing uh, industry and uh, their relationship with the short track community. And I, I don't think it's as, as fractured as some people make it out to be. Yes, there isn't a, a an R.J. Reynolds, a Winston that's sponsoring uh, NASCAR's short track program and giving those tracks money, but there is still NASCAR's Wheel and All-American Series and NASCAR still, you know, You know, provides the tracks with, you know, those tracks, they get and lighting and and uniforms, and uh, I, I don't know all the financials behind it, but there is still a relationship, but it is maybe not as beneficial to the tracks as the Winston deal was back in the day, but there still is that, and and you know some of the also some of the the disconnect started with the the growth of saturday night races on the cup schedule before it was only the bristol night race and then you have the all star race that when that went to under the lights but then we had almost a third of the schedule being run on saturday nights and that Impacted some short tracks where fans would stay home to watch the NASCAR race, especially during the the big heydays of the late '90s and early 2000s. Fans would choose to stay home instead of going to their short track. They'd stay home and watch the Cup race on TV. I don't think that there there is so much of that now, but that was a, a huge thing, and that probably hurt a lot of, a lot of tracks too, where fans would stay home and instead of you know Friday Saturday night going to your short track and then Sunday sitting. Sunday afternoon, sitting on the couch watching the Cup race. You Saturday, you'd have to make a choice whether to stay on your couch and watch the Cup race, and or or go to your short track. Now, I I think. There is now a almost two groups of fans, Uh, and, not, and this isn't the same for everyone, but now you have a lot of racing fans that are either, A, a NASCAR-only type fan that only watch NASCAR racing, and they know nothing of maybe the short track that's 20, 30 minutes from the house, and then you have the fan that will only go to the short track races, and they refuse to watch NASCAR uh, for whatever reason, whether they don't like the, the changes NASCAR has made or their, their favorite driver doesn't compete anymore, whichever it is. Uh, you almost have those two type of fans. There's still plenty of fans that are, are like myself that, that watch both and are are supporters of both, but uh, now you almost have those, those two separate groups of fans that are splitting into camps be, for whatever reason that they just watch NASCAR or they just go to their local short track. And also you see a lot less of the drivers going back to the short tracks to compete, whether it's for fun because they're being paid to be there or it's because they love... Short track racing in general. There are still few guys that do it, but you used to get the this circuit during the summer months where uh, there was this group that would bring three, four drivers to a track. They'd fly them in. Uh, they would get four street stocks or four late models. You know, they get four cars, uh, prepare them for the NASCAR drivers in advance. Maybe even paint them to look like their Cup cars. And the drivers would fly in on a Saturday night, whatever whatever local market they were in for that weekend for a Cup race. They would fly in and then show up at a short track Saturday night, do a quick ten lap exhibition race and then fly out of there uh that program also has kind of uh i don't even know if it exists anymore but you don't see a lot of that even now to this day i I went to one of those at jennerstown once uh where it was greg biffle and kenny wallace and uh dale jr was there dale i don't think drove that night but he was there signing autographs but biffle and kenny and a couple other guys uh ran late models at at jennerstown the one night i happened to be there with the the old mara series and Lake Erie Speedway used to do that too uh, when they were a weekly short track but you don't you don't even see that now but on the other hand you do see a lot of NASCAR you, you not a lot but you have a handful of drivers that do like to go back and race uh Kevin mentions Chase Elliott who would love to do more of that um but you've got you know Kyle Busch he's running a he was running a late model race this weekend I believe uh or he, the the Rattler 250 I believe he was running that but he runs the Snowball Derby in December uh, he does a lot of that. Uh, Matt Kenseth and Eric Jones, a couple of Midwest late model guys. Of course, Kyle Larson doing his stuff with Sprint Cars and the World of Outlaws, and he owns a you know World of Outlaws team, and, and so does Ricky Stenhouse and Casey Kane, who still owns a uh, World of Outlaws team, a very successful one. And now that he's out of Hendrick Motorsports, he may get back into doing some more uh, Sprint Car stuff. And, of course, Tony Stewart owns a World of Outlaws team. So there are guys that still like to go back and do it. Um, But obviously, uh, a lot of guys are also uh, hindered by their contracts with their cup teams, um, to to, that they aren't allowed to go maybe run a midweek show or run a Friday night show somewhere. um, That they're not even allowed to do that because of their contracts. Uh, I remember uh, Tony Stewart the year he won his first cup cup championship. He was supposed to run the race of champions at Oswego in a modified. And Joe Gibbs said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh you're not doing that." And uh, Tony showed up, and uh, but they put Kenny Schrader in the modified that night at Oswego, and Tony uh, sat up in in the tower and helped spot for Schrader that night. But uh, that that's also part of it too, as these guys are just bound by their Cup contracts because, of course, that's where their money comes from. But it, but then, you, so you have a handful of guys like that, but and then you have guys that do still like to get involved. Denny Hamlin it has his uh, his short track showdown, late model race coming up. Uh, I think when the Cup Series is in Richmond uh, next month, uh, he's once again uh, doing his uh, big late-model race where he invites big late-model stars from the South and also tries to get some NASCAR guys involved. But there is there is a disconnect, and I don't know at this point if NASCAR can even continue the, the level of involvement that we saw back in the day with, with Winston and R.J. Reynolds. Can they support the... Uh, their short track program, can they expand their budget on that? I don't know. Without major, uh, a, a big, huge sponsor, they get a lot of support from Wheeland and Wheeland does, uh, does a lot, especially uh, for short tracks in the, the New England area. They have a lot of ties to that market, and they still sponsor the, the Modify Tour as well, too. But they probably don't have the, the same budget that maybe R.J. Reynolds did back in the day to maybe give those sanctioned tracks uh, money for projects, whether it's new lighting or fencing or a new PA system or what, or just, you know, the, the, the familiar red and white walls that all the uh, NASCAR sanctioned tracks had uh, back in the day, uh, the, probably the level of budget is not there. 803 551 550 And there was a neat story that came out this week too. Ryan McGee from ESPN.com did a story about this and actually quoted uh, Tim Packman from Lancaster Speedway and, uh, we actually actually had pictures from the track f- featured on ESPN.com, so that was pretty cool. But I I think this is, is this is, uh this is good. This is good for it m- maybe doesn't look good for NASCAR, but it looks good for the short tracks. and brings them to attention to an audience that uh, doesn't know about them as much as uh, some fans out there. That they know that there is this. Uh, program out that there's these tracks out there that run on Fridays and Saturdays and maybe even midweek shows. And maybe this encourages the fan that just watches from his couch every week. Maybe it gets him more interested to go out and see just a race or two and finds that track closest to their home to watch one. It, Cause that's all it takes is just to get that experience uh, in person. Just once. Uh, I think it hooks someone. So if, uh, if you have, if you're listening to the show and you have a, uh, a friend that maybe is not a race fan in general, or just a NASCAR fan, you know, take them to a local track once the snow melts here in Western New York and in Southern Ontario. Uh, take them to a short track this summer and let them experience what it's like. And that there is uh, a quality uh, motorsports product right in their own backyard because you have plenty to choose from uh, for those of you that live in Buffalo or just across the border in Ontario. There is lots of options, lots of great racing out there. In, the, in in this area for short track Fantasy. But I thought it was a fun week of conversation. And uh, I did find it interesting, though, that, that Kevin talked about wanting the K&N series, the East and West series, the old Bush North and Winston West series, wanting them to have more companion races with cup events, whether it's at Phoenix or the one he competed at at Sonoma last year on the road course. He talks about that, but he's also famously said that he thinks... The trucks should go run more short tracks, and they should run less companion events. So I, I thought it was a little bit contradictory. I tried to get, tried to tweet at Kevin to see if he'd respond to that, but he didn't, of course, because um, you know it's just a little old me tweeting at him. Um, but I, I thought that was a little bit contradictory. I mean, you want the K and N guys as a development series to run more companion events, but you want the trucks to go back to the short tracks. Well, why can't the the trucks are are, are the trucks then? Are the what do you want the trucks to be? Do you want them to be a development feeder series, which they've kind of developed into, or do you want the the trucks to go back to being their own identity of a series? Maybe when they started 20 years ago, and they ran the the Louisville's and Flemingtons and uh, Evergreen Speedways of the world, versus uh, having companion races at Daytona and Talladega and uh, some of the mile and a half tracks. Of course, you know, do do they need to to Go back in, into uh, being their own series, and that that would be difficult in this day and age, though, too, because that would require you know some of these tra- short tracks then to uh, you know build safer barriers and everything. So it would uh, cost the 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 short tracks themselves. They would cost them a lot of money to have to bring their facilities up to the standard of a Nash, uh, NASCAR National Series facility. So who would who would would NASCAR or would a sponsor step in? And help those tracks out. So I thought it was a little bit contradictory how he wanted the K N guys to run more companion events, but he said previously that the trucks should run more short tracks. Both ideas are great. I'm not saying he's wrong. I just uh, want I would a little bit clarify uh, I guess the differences there. Uh, but both uh, I, I definitely think the the trucks should go back to a, a schedule where they are uh, at fewer companion events with the Cup Series, and they should run their own events and have their own. Uh, set of tracks that maybe cup cars don't go to it's great they run at Eldora and the KN and West series they're going to run a dirt race this year at Las Vegas and Kevin uh talked about that uh as well uh that he had a little bit to do with to for that idea to come up for the Kane and West cars to go run the dirt track at Las Vegas later this year so I like events like that where uh these series that try and create their own identity at at their own unique facilities all right, when we get back, we'll uh, wrap things up here. Uh, NHRA is at the Gator Nationals in Gainesville, Florida. We'll talk about that. And uh, if you have any thoughts on uh, NASCAR and, and their relation to to short track racing in America, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. 803-0550. When we get back here on Fast Track on WGR.
2: Hey, this is Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., driving number 17 fast and all Ford. You're listening to
0: WGR Sports Radio 550.
1: 1152 here on WGR, Sports Radio 550, Dave Buchanan, wrapping up this edition of Fast Track. Of course, NASCAR in California, so there are tons of uh, Hollywood tie-ins to the racing weekend. Uh, the Grand Marshal for today's race is the cast of Super Troopers, so I'm looking forward to that. I am of the age that uh, discovered the original Super Troopers movie when it came out. and uh, I, I'm older now, but I guess I'm... St- Kind of looking forward to the sequel. I don't know. It it could be total garbage, but it could be really funny like the first one. But they will be the Grand Marshal today, the cast of Super Troopers. Uh, That uh, that was one thing. And then yesterday, the Xfinity Series race was called the Roseanne 300, as in, yes, the... Remake Roseanne, T- or not the not the remake, I guess, the the continuation, the return of the, the show Roseanne with the original cast on ABC, that was the title sponsor yesterday's Xfinity Series race. So uh, Hollywood tie-ins aplenty uh, at Auto Club Speedway. Uh, as I said, NHRA is in Gainesville, Florida for the Gator Nationals. Uh, top qualifiers, uh, Clay Milliken in top field, Jack Beckman and funny car, Greg Anderson in pro stock. John Force is having a terrible start to the year. This is the third race in a row where he has had a major incident where he has the engine is blown on his car and the the hood of the funny car has gone up and blown apart. And this is the third race in a row. This has happened to him. It happened to him on qual- in qualifying on Friday. The first two races of the year, it has uh, happened to them. So that's three in a row for sixty year old John Force, where he has had a major uh, blow up on his funny car. It's amazing. That uh, He wants to take this kind of punishment at 68 years of age, but uh, he'll uh, have to bounce back, and he has had his struggles here to start the 2018 season. Uh, this weekend is also the uh, first event of the year for the Pro Modified category, and uh, Elma's own Mike Janis from Janssen Racing Engines, he qualified number 6 in Pro Modified. They had a field of over 30 Pro Mods. And uh, he made the field, uh, qualified six overall. Uh, Melanie Salemi, another Western New York driver, who's got backing from the New Era Cap Company, uh, she's signed a partnership with them for this season. Unfortunately, she did not make the field of sixteen. She qualified twenty-fifth, and uh, did did not uh, able to qualify for the field uh, there in Pro Mod at Gainesville, Florida, but Mike Janis uh, is in, so good luck to Mike, the uh, the Lancaster uh, Elman Native and, and Jensen Racing Engines out there in Transit Road. So hopefully uh, he does well there. He is he was off in Qatar actually uh, about a month ago. He was doing some racing out in the Middle East uh with uh, I believe he's his teammate uh, Kelly Albalushi. Balushi. They were out in his home country of Qatar doing some racing out there and uh, setting some records with some uh, Jansen power out there in the Middle East. So he's back in this country, though, and we will be racing today in Gainesville, Florida. So uh, enjoy the race today out there in California. We'll see what happens with uh, everybody starting on the fresh tires, and we'll see what kind uh, of—I don't think the teams that failed qualifying will get— I don't know if it will be more penalties, but we may see some procedural changes, um, obviously, when it comes to qualifying— uh, going into Martinsville next week. And of course, Martinsville is one of the best races of the year, of course. The short track, uh, not only the cup race, but uh, the trucks will be back in action next weekend uh, for uh, over there in Martinsville, so those will be two must-watch races. Hey, don't forget, along with the race today, the Bandits are in action. They're in Georgia for a 4 o'clock game. That'll be on ESPN fifteen twenty today, of course. Unfortunately, the Bandits are on a three-game losing streak. They lost Friday night at home to the Saskatchewan Rush, but uh, my buddy John Gertler is on the call today at 4 from uh, Georgia. And uh, in case you're not on Twitter, some roster notes for the Bandits: Mark Stainhouse has been activated from IR. He uh, had that wrist injury that he's been missed several weeks. He'll be back in the lineup today. Ethan Shot going on the IR due to a, a hamstring injury. Uh, Zach Haywires will be uh, put up on the practice squad, and Zach Higgins will get the start and goal tonight uh, for the Bandits after uh, Alex Bouquet made the start Friday against the Rush. Uh, Higgins, of course, played great against the Swarm here in Buffalo earlier this year against his former team, so he'll get the start today as the Bandits look to snap a three-game losing streak and try and stay alive in a very tight East Division playoff race with all five teams uh, in the hunt for those three playoff spots and uh, so this is a must-win divisional game for the Bandits this afternoon. So that's coming up at 4 o'clock on ESPN 1520. My buddy John Gertler will have the call. We'll be back home uh, March 31st. That's the next home game for the Bandits at the Key Bank Center. And that's when you'll hear me again on a Bandits broadcast. So, And you'll hear from me again next Sunday, of course, right here at 11 o'clock for another edition of Fast Track. So we'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,